Welcome to the second episode of the Journey Podcast and the first guest interview. I'm your host, Lisa Kawamoto, and the Journey Podcast is all about sharing the journeys of purpose driven individuals from all walks of life who are following their passion and fulfilling their purpose in their own individual, unique way. In today's episode, I'm having a conversation with Arvin Suntaramothi. A co-owner of an amazing vegan restaurant, Amrutha Lounge in South London. He is also a practitioner of contemplative meditation with qualifications in business, detoxification and herbology, and is also a keen runner. Before we go on, I actually have a funny story to share. I first met Arvin when I went to Amrutha to celebrate my one-year vegan anniversary with my partner back in 2021. We were immediately greeted by a friendly waiter and I was really impressed with not only the food they served but the warm atmosphere and the positive energy everyone who worked in the restaurant radiated. I could really tell that they really enjoyed working and cared about their customers. So we told the waiter that it was a one-year vegan anniversary when we were ordering the food, just in conversation. The funny thing is that he actually thought it was our wedding anniversary and Arvin kindly brought a complimentary dessert after our meal to congratulate us. Obviously, we told him that it's actually our one-year vegan anniversary. But I remember thinking how generous he was to come and say hi to us with a complimentary dessert. And I was really taken by Arvin's smile and the warmth as we chatted. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Arvin as much as I did. He's got so much wisdom and I know that you will be inspired by his journey and take away so much from this episode. So hi Arvin, welcome to the Journey Podcast. I'm very, very excited to have this conversation with you today and for you to share your inspiring journey with us. So um, firstly, how are you feeling today? Oh, thank you, Risa. Thank you for giving us this opportunity <laughs> and I'm feeling fantastic. I got up nice and early, went for a run, okay, came back, had a cold shower, I've got a juice in front of me, you know, I've got a <laughs> lovely person I'm talking to, life is good. <laughs> oh, thank you, thank you. Um, Yeah, it's lovely to talk to you and see your face as well and I can see, like, I follow your Instagram account, Amrutha Instagram account and you do this 30 days of Amrutha Ways and mm -hmm. Every time I see your face and hear your voice, it's so healing. It, I just feel so calm <laughs> and so peaceful. And you have this such a lovely smile. Um, yeah, so I know for listeners, if you're just listening to audio, you can't see this lovely Arvin's lovely face. <laughs> but yeah, if you go to YouTube, you can see Arvin's lovely face as well. Um, so I also would like to know where in the world are you joining from today? I'm actually joining from South London in Collier's Wood, okay, uh, it's where my home is, but at the same time, one thing I've learned over the years is, you know, your home is where your heart is, okay, and right now life has taken me to Collier's Wood, and uh, if I go somewhere else, that feels like home, I've just spent a 
few days in Copenhagen quite recently. I came back and when I was there, I felt perfectly at home there with all the people and everything. And yeah, it's yeah, it's nice to be able to go different places, connect to different people, but still feel at home there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I actually feel the same as well. Um, I actually live in Collierswood and we were chatting just before <laughs> yeah. we hit record and we found out that we actually live really close by. <laughs> um, so that's amazing because I first met you in the restaurant which you run in Oldsfield, which is a little bit for, for I guess it's about 45 minutes to one hour walk. I remember yeah. first time going to your restaurant, yeah. we actually walked to the restaurant in Ellsfield, <laughs> and I think it was like 45 to an hour walk. Um, yeah. yeah, so I kind of automatically thought that you actually live near the restaurant because that's <laughs> kind of me like, oh, that's probably more convenient to live near your <laughs> restaurant. But yeah, um, yeah, so it's really exciting to know and find out that you actually live in Collierswood, where <laughs> I also live. Um, and I also really relate to what you said about like where you live is like your home. Um, I was born in Japan and came to UK when I was quite young. So yeah. anywhere I live is, you know, has always been my home. And I mm. also when I moved to London uh, over 20 years ago now. <laughs> but yeah, I moved a lot um, between quite, you know, first probably five to 10 years in London, I moved a lot. So for okay. me, like anyway, I have my kind of, even it's a really small room <laughs> in a big house <laughs> share, that's still my home. So I really mm. relate to that as mm. well. Um, yeah, so thank you for sharing that. Um, so if that's okay with you, I would love for you to share a little bit about your background and mm-hmm. anything you would like to share about uh, growing up and your early years? Okay, sure. Uh, I guess early years was kind of similar to you in the story that I was born in uh, Sri Lanka, okay, and um, uh, I don't really know Sri Lanka because uh, I was a small baby, but there was a civil war going on there, so my parents emigrated, okay, and we went to Germany first, okay, and spent uh, up until about 10 years in Germany and I then we moved to London <laughs> and uh, uh, London is when I really started to form my memories because before 10 I think stuff happens okay? but, but a lot of it doesn't stay in your head and it was only uh, as I was starting to grow older it, uh, London felt start to feel like my home and uh, Again, like yourself, I moved around in different parts of London and uh, yeah, that that was kind of my journey growing up. Um, It was was something that was lovely to me in the sense that wherever you go to, whether it was Germany, okay, or whether you come to London, there's, there's people that accept you in as part of your community even though you might look different or you sound different or something they still see something in common with you and accept you into your community and people do say there's bad things and stuff about it but uh, when you focus on the good things you notice really only the good things and that's the one of the biggest things I always remember about London and about Germany especially Germany when I went when we went there as a child I remember uh, being accepted into like a, a church group okay? and they were I guess they were looking after yet refugees and people that were coming to Germany but 
the lovingness and the kindness of these people is what I remember so much. Uh, obviously, our faiths and things didn't have to match because I think we were raised Hindus as, from being from Sri Lanka. But it was uh, a Christian church community that accepted us. Okay? But they didn't see a difference in the fact that we had different faiths. They saw that we were human beings and my mum had, you know, two young children and uh, she was someone that needed help. So that's who they were helping. And so that that kind of kindness kind of stayed with me a lot. And that's what I try to focus on and uh, try to, whenever I'm in a position now to be able to show that kind of kindness to someone else, I think that's what I try to tune into. So that again, when it comes to younger children and families and things like that, you know, it's very easy to be able to see the position they're in kind of thing, because I've been able to go through that with my parents and my journey, basically. Yeah. Yes, that's really lovely to hear that you mm. remember the positive thing. I think mm. we, you know, many people, I'm sure, and myself included, we tend to remember some like more of a negative <laughs> events or incidents or experience in the past. And yeah. um, because I was actually thinking back like at the school I went to and I was trying to remember positive things, but I couldn't. <laughs> like all the things like came up in my head was like all the negative things. So I love that you share like the positive things and that really impacted and influenced the way you live your life now and the way mm -hmm. you treat other people. Um, mm. So that's really beautiful to hear. So thank you for sharing that. Um, I'm curious to hear from you whether like as you were growing up in London or even in Germany, did you feel like, um, did you feel different or did you feel like, oh, I'm unique or I'm different or do I, I look different? Did you ever have that sort of feelings? I don't think I ever felt different in the sense that obviously whether it was in London or Germany like I I had I was a brown kid but there was other brown kids there as well and I didn't feel different in that sense but there was maybe a difference in the sense that you know when it uh, early years growing up school and things like that okay, uh, certain things came easier to me than other people okay and things where school, people would be struggling with school and things like that, it would come quite easy to me. <laughs> and uh, that, that memory and things like that were quite, uh, again, natural to me. So I think in some ways it did, uh, at, you know, throughout my early childhood and teenage years and things like that, there was there was an idea that 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 maybe I was special or something like that. And you know, that I was smarter than other people and all of these types of things that would come around in your head. And uh, when you allow these things to dwell and fester in your mind, <laughs> it's the ego can take these things and really turn them into something that you start to believe. And uh, I think as, as I went through 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 my journey throughout life and, you know, so, um going to university and starting my businesses and things afterwards there was always this feeling that that 
it came easier to me than everyone else. Okay? And there was that this idea that the specialness that existed there, but it wasn't something that serves me or anything like that, because we know every single person is unique and special in their own way. And every single person has something so wonderful and beautiful about them. Okay? Mm. But when you start to think you're special, you stop noticing other people's specialness. Okay? And it was it own the it sort of came crashing down, not crashing down, but it, so when it started to change is when spirituality came into my life, okay, and that spirituality also was quite easy for me, okay, and, you know, the meditation and understanding spiritual concepts and things like that was easy to me as well, and that's when that ego continued its game where it's, you know, puts itself up on the pedestal and thinks, oh, I am special, I am special, and it was only when I start to realize and start to go down this route of where the, where the spiritual ego starts to develop and you start to think you're you're better than other people or you're more special or more spiritually evolved than other people and nonsensical thinking like that and luckily enough okay when i saw the effect that had on people around me and myself i realized this whole idea of specialness needs to stop and stop right now <laughs> and uh, that's since so since then it's been a constant process of humbling and anytime anyone says anything good about me okay i i don't take credit for it in any way because it isn't me okay it's it's you know the memory in my body and everything was given to be my parents okay you can call it universe you can call it god you can, it's a gift to me okay it's not me that's created any of this stuff i'm just experiencing it and i'm only getting to experience it because of the people around me and the environments and the situations i get put in me i'm not really doing much in the whole thing and so that's where it kind of where i'm at now even right now speaking to you now it's wonderful it's an honor for me okay to i'm your second interview okay you know there's a thousands of people you can interview but you chose to interview me but i don't think of myself as special for that okay? i think of myself as honored to be able to be part of your journey okay and that you know the things that you do on your journey and just seeing speaking to you is going to be able to help me on my journey so that's where i'm trying to come from now and then trying to get away from that thing of specialness okay? and accept that everyone has uniqueness every single person has something unique okay and when they tap into that unique thing it's beneficial to them and all of those around them oh wow thank you so much for sharing that i feel a little guilty of always kind of thinking like oh i'm different i don't think i use the words like i'm special um, but I always feel like I'm different, I look different, or I speak differently, or, but you're so right, you know, like when you're focusing on how special I am, or how unique I am, I lost this sense of, you know, seeing other people, you know, how, how unique everyone else is as well. So mm -hmm. that is such a great lesson um, that I've learned today, just 
<laughs> by communicating and having this conversation and it's only been like I'm sure it's like 10 minutes in <laughs> to the conversation so thank you so much for sharing that um that's really beautiful lesson you've learned through your journey as well and now you're sharing that with other people so I just find that really beautiful I know you mentioned as you were growing up uh the church uh, accepted you and uh you you know you became part of their community and you had a great experience, you know, being part of that community. And you also mentioned about um, when you started learning about spirituality as well. Did you have any role models or anyone you look look up to or you admire as you were growing up? Growing up? I don't think so. I think growing up, I didn't quite understand what a role model really was. Yeah, I think growing up, uh, like you say, in terms of the religion and those kind of things, I didn't quite understand it because I was raised up a Hindu, which meant, you know, stand and pray for grades, pray for good things, pray for this, pray for a bigger house, pray, pray, pray. And when it came, say thank you. And when it didn't, keep praying kind of thing. And it was okay for me, but it was just like, you know, once you start to learn about evolution and science and things like that you're <laughs> you start to think you know better than your parents you start to think you know better than religion and you know the rebellious teenage years it comes into it but then uh calling myself an agnostic or an atheist even the word saying it i would say it in sort of anger okay you know but it never felt right to me okay? and um, that's after a very small amount of exploring, you know, things like uh, Buddhism and meditation came into my life. And uh, then with, with that, I started to explore different religions and things like that. And it was only later on in my life. Okay, um, I'll tell you one story, actually. The probably, not probably, the most influential person in my life, okay, apart from obviously my mom and my dad, who I get my nose and chin, everything <laughs> from, okay? like, yeah, everyone, everyone has, mom and dad has the most But then there's, there's someone else that my mom's always gone to see gurus, like, you know, swamis and people like that, okay, and uh, fortune tellers, all these different types of people, and she goes from different ones to different ones, and she's been doing this throughout her whole um, whole life kind of okay and but for me they all felt the same in the sense that they were all she would go to them they would say she has some bad karma or something like that and they're mm. going to undo the bad karma and they're going to do some puja or give some thing that's going to undo the karma and in return she has to give you know it's transactional, it's money or something like that in return, okay? And as whether it was doing some good or not, I don't 100% know, she believed it was, okay? And so that's her own right to do that. And with those people, whether they believed it was doing some good or not, I'm not really sure as well, okay? But it, it wasn't quite right to me. They never, they never something that drew to me, okay? And uh, then there was one person that she went to see, okay? And... Uh, I thought exactly the same as all these other people she'd been seeing for about a year or so. Okay? And uh, I remember driving her to go and see him. Okay, um, And it was in like Birmingham. So it was about an hour drive out, maybe an hour and a half drive out of London. Okay, And me and my mum got into a little argument in the car about 
something nonsensical. And uh, uh, when we got to the place, I remember being so angry, like just annoyed that I, I, I didn't want to be part of this, but I couldn't just leave her in Birmingham and drive back. So I had to stay for the next year. So I was just frustrated. And I remember being in this little room and there was maybe like 30 or 40 chairs set up in the room. Okay. And all, there was maybe maybe 20 people or even less than 20 people in that room. And they all sat on the front row, like waiting for this person to come. And I didn't want to be involved in any of this. Okay? <laughs> so I remember sitting right on the back row. Okay. So, and I remember so clearly my arms were crossed the whole time. I was, I was there was so much tension in my body. Okay? And then there's this, this like guru person comes along okay and he comes along and he sits down and I'm so far away from it I can't even hear what he's saying yeah and uh, at some point during his lecture or talk the most amazing thing happened to me which is it was like someone opened a tap okay and all of the tension and all of the anger and all of that frustration I was feeling literally leaked out of me, okay? And then I was just left there with this sense of just silence and peace. I've never, ever experienced anything like that in my body, in my mind, ever. And when I experienced it, it was almost a state of shock because I couldn't go and talk to anyone about the experience or nothing because to go from this state of absolute anger and frustration which I felt obviously as a teenager and many teenagers feel over certain things to go from that to instant silence and peace it was something amazing and uh, at the end of the lecture all the people went to you know crowd around him to speak to him and uh, uh I didn't get enough time and I just peacefully went back and next time my mum wanted to go see him I you know volunteered like straight away <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'll drive you down no problem yeah a couple of meetings and then eventually got a chance to get to speak to this wonderful human being and uh, his name is uh, Srinivas Arka okay and uh, he's a philosopher I call him Guruji as in my guru okay but uh, he's, he's a philosopher he, he gives lectures all around the world he teaches meditation okay just the most wonderful human being the thing with this okay Risa, Risa, the, the thing that made me feel like there was something different about this person as opposed to all of the other gurus I've ever met is that this is one of the most impressive human beings I've ever met. Like genuinely, he speaks however many eight, nine languages. He can be funny in all the different languages. You know, he travels all over the place, get lectures and constantly working. Okay, and But people are always throwing him like, you know, trying to put him on a pedestal and try to put flower petals for him to walk on and like do that. But then if you put flower petals to, for him to walk on, sneak in through the back door <laughs> he's he doesn't want he's so so humble okay and I've never ever experienced that because even myself you know like you tell me how nice the restaurant is and people tell me how the nice the food is as soon as someone tells you something nice complimentary your ego in the head sort of starts to get big this person 
so many people must say so many good things to him, but he's still so, so humble about it. And that's what attracted me. It said, okay, there's something genuine here. Okay? And uh, I kind of tried to spend more and more time with him. And uh, especially over the last few years and stuff, I managed to get, you know, so much guidance from him and so much inspiration and the re the reason why i even have a restaurant right now okay the reason why i'm probably sitting here talking to you is because of the the, the guidance and the support from uh my guru yeah wow that's such a lovely story because i was thinking you know like how you learn to be like the person you are is always so smiley and so and the way you um the gesture or mannerism is like for me it's just so healing just to see you <laughs> um and yeah and I, I now I understand like how you know the your guruji really supported you through your journey and to becoming who you are and 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 I truly believe that you were already that person but he supported and guided you into for you to realize that you know this is who you are um so thank you so much for sharing that story with us um so I I'm curious to hear from you now that so you mentioned university um what did you study at university and how did you progress your career from there uh, the university was quite fun because up until university okay I was very uh, uh IT and maths orientated because those are the things I was really good at okay? and uh uh, I always thought that would be what my career and I always wanted to make money. I always wanted to make as much money as possible. And like, uh, that's what my mum instilled in me, you know, you know, when you get, when you become successful, buy yourself a big house and buy me a big house and buy your sister, brother and sister a big house. And all of these types of things was what I thought was what determined success and happiness. <laughs> and because those are the, kind of ideas and I, I was surrounded myself with people in college that supported those ideas and uh, it, it was only when I went to university I started to you know surround myself with different people because when you go to university you have it's not a hundreds of people you have thousands of people thousands of ideas and different ways of seeing the world you're exposed to and uh, my course was uh, my uh, my course was um, management science okay? and uh, it was the most it was there was such a dissonance in the person I was trying to become okay with the people I was surrounding myself with I you know you first learn about socialism and things like that and you you start to think about these ideas and th but the course itself was so directed at seeing people as a commodity and trying to get as much people from the people as possible and almost eliminating the human factor and there was things like you know uh, management theory and motivation and things like that but that wasn't to you know see the person more as a human it was more what buttons you could push okay to be able to get that person to perform at a higher rate and get be more productive 
and it was that it just didn't quite sit with me and the more and more I did with the force the less and less I became you know the uh, it felt like that's something I wanted to do I spent the full three years there but at the same time it did, when I left uni it wasn't something that I wanted to do in any way so I kind of had uh, uh, an opportunity in the sense that I helped my parents buy their 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 council house okay before I went to university okay and that that just meant that uh there was an opportunity for me to start my own business after I finished okay and I went in I started a business doing properties uh and management sorry property de development and maintenance and uh, commercial fitting of shops and things as well and it was going relatively well but there was this internal thing okay which was already started in me which was you know the idea of there's something more than these kind of things and uh, uh, there was only so long I could keep doing that no matter how successful I was going to be at it uh, there's only so long I could keep doing that while there was this other thing that was kind of in me that was yearning okay and uh, but you need something to hit you and shock you to get you to change your ways. Otherwise, when you're doing something good and your business is doing good, you're not going to change. It's difficult to change. Mm. And, and uh, it was only when my mum and my best friend's mum and my other best friend's mum around the same sort of time got diagnosed with different terminal illnesses and it all shook us up in different ways. And that's when I almost, you know, went again quite angry at the world, angry at the medicine system, angry and, and angry at the way things were. Okay, but I was lucky enough to have wonderful people like Purji, like yourself. Okay, you know, who are sharing things from a place of goodness. Okay, and uh, that's when yoga, meditation. Uh, healthy eating, raw foods, <laughs> all of these <laughs> things came into my life. Okay? And, you know, with grace and opportunities and with some choices on my part, it meant that my life changed root completely. And uh, it, it just, it's been snowballing since. And like, I first started uh, to going down the route of learning about the healing side of things more okay so um i studied uh ayurveda and i also studied uh, um from this amazing doctor called dr robert morse okay in in florida it was more the western style of detox but still based around herbology plants tinctures those kind of things okay and i took some of the the sort of western north american way and the indian way which is both are fantastic but we don't live in America and we don't live in India 400 years ago and we're in England right now. So I had to almost take a bit of that and I started to implement it in myself and share it with people around me. And it was just something that really felt like I wanted to do. But I was 
most of my clients and the people I was seeing were all sick old people. <laughs> I didn't <laughs> like taking money off old sick people kind of thing. So it was something I could never turn into a business and make it viable because it's wonderful being able to help people. Okay. But at the same time, we live in a place where you need to pay bills, you need to pay mortgage and, you know, you need to buy juice. And like <laughs> so, you know, like it's, it, you have to make it sustainable, okay? Mm. And um, it took me a long time to figure out how, what the difference, what spirituality is and how money plays into spirituality. Because initially, like, because the property side of it was coming very easy, I had a lot of guilt about the money that I got from the property. So I gave most of it away. I wasted it on things and like it just wasn't something that I wanted to be associated with okay because I thought money was bad and to be spiritual you had to you had to wear sackcloth and ashes and like you know walk around in a robe with no possessions okay but that's the, it's almost like the balance in the swing you need to figure out something to find your middle ground and that's when again Guruji helped me so much because he saw that there was something that I was very passionate about which is healing the body, okay, health, okay, but he, he just guided me towards this idea of making food for other people because I loved making food, I loved healing, okay, and I loved healthy foods, but I had no idea, no intention of having a restaurant that made healthy food, okay? <laughs> and it's only, only when someone with a bit of insight and a bit of perspective and a greater vision, okay, can see what there is and just like you say, just guide me towards it. And that's that journey, I don't know what, what we're talking about here, probably about 10, 10, 10 years ago now, okay. He started this little journey, okay, of just guiding me towards making food for other people. Okay? And you know, I'm not even kidding, Lisa, I'm genuinely saying this, okay. I don't feel like I've worked a single day in the last 10 years. Genuinely not. <laughs> I haven't. None of it feels like work to me. Even when we used to be, before the restaurant came along, we used to have a food truck. And we used to go out into the fields, okay? And sometimes it would be nice and sunny, and, but sometimes it would be like this, that rain would be coming. You'd have to move off all of the equipment, off the van, on the van, cleaning, in the mud, all of that stuff. But none of it felt like work because I realized it's something I love doing. It made people happy, okay? And it was part of something bigger and it was building towards something. And so when you're working, I know people throw that word around purpose, but it felt like I had a purpose. And as soon as I had a purpose, it stopped feeling like work, genuinely stopped feeling like work. So I don't know when I'm going to have to work again. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. You know, like this podcasting, like having a conversation with you, it doesn't feel like work. And every time I teach yoga, it doesn't feel like work either. So I can yes. really relate to that feelings. But that's just, I think that's like amazing thing that you can have in your life where, yes, you run your restaurant, you have certain responsibilities, I'm sure that, mm -hmm. you know, certain things that you need to meet in, you mm -hmm. know, in order to run your successful restaurant. But you know, that doesn't feel like work is like, that is definitely my goal, you know, to make that full time <laughs> mm -hmm. is my goal. So yeah, thank you so much for sharing that. And it's so inspiring to hear from, 
you know, person like you who has, you know, gone through from having a property development, you know, business and feeling like this is not quite what I want to do in my life, but it needed that kind of kick, isn't it, to actually change direction, you know, transitioning into something you enjoy doing more. Um, because I feel like a lot of people feel stuck in their current job or current career, feeling like, oh, this is not quite what I expected or it's not something that I, you know, really enjoy, but they just feel so comfortable in their mm. job. It's bringing them money. Obviously, we all need to pay to live, you know, and to look after ourselves, look after our families, friends, community and pay the rent and thing. Um, so probably when you were in that situation, when your, you know, family, um, was it yourself as well being diagnosed or was it your parents? No, no. Luckily, oh, okay. I, no. I, yeah, it's just my, my mom and mm -hmm. uh, my friends, friends. All right. Okay. Yeah. I'm sure it was a really difficult situation to be in, having someone close to you being diagnosed with illness, but that's almost really made you to really rethink about your life and rediscover yourself and mm. so I think that is a very beautiful journey that you've gone through and made that transition so thank you so much for sharing that's really inspiring to hear so let's talk about maybe what you currently do and your passion uh, I know you offer several things not just cooking lovely food uh, to customers <laughs> I know you run like different workshops and you do a lot more other things so yeah I would love to hear a little bit more about what you currently do so the 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 workshops like you said that's something we start to do so the restaurant right from the start okay we used to open from Tuesday till Sunday. Okay? Monday, we were always closed, even though at some points just before all of this madness started, we got so busy, people wanted to come on a Monday. But I think balance is important. And in the same way, a body okay, needs to sleep okay, uh, to be able to get rest, to be able to feel like it's running properly. I think when it comes to a restaurant, you need a day to close, okay? calm everything down and what we used to do on a Monday we we would come in and do like a deep clean like so it's mm -hmm. not just a like a normal end of day clean where you mop and wipe things down and stuff you really get behind the fridges on top of the things and mm -hmm. so when you come in on Tuesday morning it feels like a brand new restaurant okay and that it was gorgeous so having that Monday off was such a big thing for us but during during this the last two years, I'll call it madness, I won't use anything today, <laughs> yeah. uh, what was I saying, yeah, so during all the last couple of years, which is a difficult time for everyone, really difficult time for everyone, so it just, because it was such, because it was such a difficult time for everyone, we didn't really know what we were doing kind of thing, because we closed the restaurant for most of the time, okay, we weren't doing takeaways, because it just didn't feel like the right thing to do because you didn't know what the right thing or not was. Okay, so, no, we didn't do any of that heat out to help out stuff. It's just right at the end when people were expecting us to be open, we started to open. And but you want them to do something, you want to be able to do it fully with your own heart and things like that. And uh, it just that that 
the fear around all masks and distancing and everything like that just made you feel really confined. Okay, And uh, that's when we realized you can't undo what's going on, but you have to be Purport, you have to be make sure you have to respect everyone's opinions and points of view as well. Okay, so that's why instead of getting into dialogue directly with people or trying to, you know, oppose opinions or anything like that, we thought what we can do is if we put out a tiny little bit of good, okay. The ripple effect of that, okay, can be massive, okay, and that's when we started using our Monday evenings, okay, and uh, I, one of the girls that she's the, her name's Tash, she's the one that takes care of the Monday classes, and she's an absolute angel, like they all are at the restaurant, but her especially, she, I've, I've offered to, I'd ask her to take pay for the Monday classes and add hours so she can, you know, but she's like, no, she loves doing these classes because she can see how much of a benefit it has on people, okay, and it benefits the community. But I also think when she does that, she realizes that it's also benefiting her as well, okay, because I think that's what it is. I think there's one thing that I realized is when you do something good, Risa, like right now we're having this conversation, okay, I think. When you do something, it's good for the whole world or it's good for no one. <laughs> so it's simple as that. This seeming idea of someone gaining and someone losing, I don't think it's the case. That gain they're gaining is such a temporary gain. And on a bigger karmic level, that's not really a gain, it's a loss. Okay. So it's either a loss for everyone or a gain for everyone. Okay. And that's when I realized with these Monday classes, there's something really wonderful about them. And all we do, like you say, we do we do cooking classes sometimes, we do meditation. The last week we had a live drawing, okay? Uh, we do singing choir workshops, all different kinds of things, okay? And uh, like I said, they're, they're all done on a voluntary basis. No one has to pay for the classes or anything like that, okay? But there's this wonderful thing that's created in that, which is, this openness, okay, and uh, every person that runs the class, most of them were run by the guys that work at the restaurant, like myself, like this Monday, I'm doing another meditation class, okay, and the people that are teaching it, doing the classes, really want to teach the classes, okay, and mm -hmm. there's, there's no, there's nothing about money or anything like that involved, which means as soon as you take money out of the equation, okay, I'm not saying always you have to, but in this situation, you take money out of the equation, what that means is whoever the teacher is, can teach in the way they want to teach, okay, they're not saying, oh, my students paid £10 for this class, or my students paid £3,000 for this cooking course or something like that okay it's not there's all the expectations gone so they can be truly honest to them in the honest to their own way of teaching but and in the same way the student because the student isn't paying anything for the class they're coming there without any expectation the only thing they're giving is their time and attention okay so for me these classes much more resemble the the more ancient way of teaching like with you know uh, ancient Greece or Ayurvedic teachings or something like that, where the student would come to the teacher and the, the, they say, look, 
please can you teach me kind of thing. And the only thing they're offering them is their undivided attention. And sometimes the teacher will say yes, sometimes the teacher will say no, okay. Mm-hmm. And that, that's, that's, the, that's the format. This is about this and I love it. And some of the classes, we've got like a little WhatsApp group. Okay? Some of the classes people come because they're interested in the class, okay? But some people just come every Monday, no matter what class it is, because it's there's a sense of community that's starting to build. You, you get to go out to a place uh, where, you know, you see like-minded people, you're in an uh, environment, you get food at the end, there's no smoking or drinking or anything like that involved. I'm not against any of that. If anyone wants to <laughs> smoke and drink, go ahead, absolutely fine. But creating an environment where people don't have to it's just I think there's something lovely about that and I'm grateful but that we have a space and we have this opportunity that we can do this and uh, you know support people that supported us that's amazing I wish Mm. I lived near your restaurant so I can (laughs) attend those workshops on Monday it's Monday evenings isn't it Monday do you know what what I'm going to do I'll get uh, uh, Tash to put you down on the workshop list okay Mm -hmm. all right and if there's anything you ever see on a Monday that really Mm -hmm. strikes your fancy you can come down (laughs) all right yes yes yeah definitely I'm up for that (laughs) but that's that's really um lovely way to you know, organize these workshops. Um, it's really generous of you and, you know, others who run these workshops as well. But it's so true that when the money is not involved and where you have just no expectation, you just arrive and you just, you know, be yourself and just teach from the heart rather mm-hmm. than thinking in your head like, oh, you know, students pay this much money, so I have to deliver this much value. And mm. yes, it, it's so true. Oh, I really want to come to your workshops now. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you can teach one. That's kind of the next plan for us. We've been, we've been like, we've had a lot of offers for restaurants and expanding the restaurant and things like that. And for me, most of the offers or all of the offers pretty much I've said no to because mm. I just intuitively it didn't feel right because even though we're growing as a restaurant and we're doing well what we can but we're still in the learning process okay we're still trying to figure out what it is that we're trying to do and if we expand too quickly two things will happen either we're not going to be able to deliver the same level of service and food that we deliver in to another place okay which is pointless or even worse if we don't have enough people power in in and enough actual guy part of the team we're going to dilute what we have because we're going to stretch ourselves too thin and ruin what we have as well so there's no point in expanding too quickly like look no watch on my hand i'm a very (laughs) patient man okay i like to I, i run on cosmic time not like daytime okay so that's why it the next step at some point i'm sure we will get another restaurant okay and we're getting more bigger team now and it'll be nice to be able to grow things not in the same way that i used to grow things before where it was just for the sake of money okay Mm. how i think of it okay is risa we've got uh 10 guys now okay uh, that work uh, at amrita employees uh, and Every single one of them loves coming to work. 
genuinely loves coming to work. Okay, And I've never experienced that ever in another place. There's people that are satisfied with their jobs and to a certain extent they might enjoy it. But when you get every single person that comes in smiling, even at the end of the day, you know, when we, when we uh, close the restaurant, change the playlist okay <laughs> and even the mopping is fun okay because you're doing it all together because you're all really bouncing off each other's energy and so that's the thing that makes me really want to have more amruthas and trying to grow things in a certain way because imagine if we could have another 10 people that are really happy working in Kingston or Morden and maybe another 20 people in Birmingham or Scotland being really happy. Imagine if you could really enrich people's lives like that. So that's one thing that interests me. And it also seems like the way these workshops have taken off, okay, it seems like there's a scope to take, instead of just doing that on a Monday night, okay, how good would it be if we can do that seven days a week? daytime and in the morning whatever it is kind of thing give opportunities for people to come in and share in this own way so there's a lot of stuff for expansion but at the same time I'm not hasty and I'm trying to use my intuition to make sure I go down into the things that that really serve me but at the same time this is the thing this is the most amazing thing about it the reason why there's so much clarity and so little doubt is when when I feel like I, 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 this, uh, an answer, a question that I don't know the answer to, I know I can pick up the phone, call my Guruji, okay, and there's someone there that, that, you know, can give me a reassurance. And most of the time I don't even call him, but just knowing that I could call him when there is doubt gives you this, this confidence to lean on, really. So I'm grateful. I'm absolutely grateful for the people I have in my life and the the things that are upcoming for Amrita. Oh, I wish I could be your employee <laughs> coming to work <laughs> with a big smile and with full of energy. That's just so beautiful. Um, how how do you? Uh, I would love to know how you create this environment, that this working environment of. <laughs> everyone coming to work with full of energy, big smile, because I know like, I've only been to twice actually, but those two, the two times I've been to your restaurant, as soon as I step into your restaurant, uh, a lovely, you know, waiter will come towards us and greet us with really lovely smile and like with full of energy. Um, I would love to know how you create this lovely environment. <laughs> Uh, Risa, I'm not a smart man. Okay, <laughs> I, didn't, I, I didn't plan all of this. Okay, I'm just along for the ride. You know, the thing was, I think for me, it was gratitude is at the core of it. When we were starting on the on the food truck, okay, well, we 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 loved serving the food. Okay, it was never about the money. And one thing we realized though, when you love serving the food guess what happens? The people love receiving the food in this loving way. So the, the exchange, even though we might have been a food truck or we are a restaurant and we might be waiters, that's not how it works. So the way it happens is it's much more like grandma or mom, okay, feeding their children and 
the delight they get from that. It's it's their way of expressing that love. Okay? And I learned that from my mum, even though my mum never really taught me how to cook, okay? Uh, boys weren't allowed in the kitchen. Okay? <laughs> uh, uh, and uh, she was... She would give whatever she could when she could. When you would ask her at 6 a.m. or 11 o'clock at night, she would jump out of bed to cook you what you wanted. And um, I thought she was just trying to fatten up her children. <laughs> That's why she was doing it. But it's not. You realize for her, that was her way of truly expressing that love. And when she did it, she did it unconditionally. She wasn't expecting anything in return. So what she did got what she got was this immense sense of satisfaction. At the time, I didn't realize it was only when I started, when I went to uni and I started cooking for my flatmates and seeing cooking for my flatmates for two, three hours, okay, making them a meal was so enriching. It was much more enriching than getting a good grade in the exam. Okay, So that's when it started. And that's kind of what's gone on, which is we do part of it, but the thing that helps us do what we do is, is you guys. It's like when you come to the restaurant, you come with your big smile. At the end of the meal, you tell us how delicious the meal was, okay? It gives us motivation to go and try and make that better and better and better and improve. And we do simple food. You know what we do. We have very small menu. Do We do simple food, okay? But we try to make it all from scratch in the restaurant. We don't do any frozen things. We don't do any microwave stuff. We try to be as honest to the food as possible. And that gets interpreted and reciprocated by the customers in gratitude, which makes us feel good, which makes us feel grateful and give gratitude back. It's just like a nice little cycle that goes around. And so, like I say, Risa, I didn't create any of this. I genuinely <laughs> didn't. Okay? I just happened to be in the right place at the right time. And the guys that join in and the team, they also feel that because they get, you know, we have an open kitchen, okay? When the customers come in, uh -huh, they come to, when they finish their meal, they'll come and say thank you to the kitchen. And like, we get um, so many people writing things on TripAdvisor and Google and things like that. And when you read some of the stuff that people say, it just, some of it can really bring you a tear to your eye because you can genuinely see that you've made a difference. Okay? And uh, I joke sometimes and I say, it's darling rice that we make, <laughs> but it's the best job in the world. Okay? And it genuinely feels like that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> wow, thank you. Thank you. I can um, talk with you forever, but <laughs> we better wrap up quite soon because I want I don't want to keep you too long but I've got no. um <laughs> I've got a couple of questions that I would like to ask you so I would like to ask you what's the best advice you ever received in your life I would have to say okay again from Guruji okay uh, he says when you do something do it fully, absolutely put your body, mind, heart, soul, everything into it. Do it to your best of your abilities, but without any expectations, without no, nothing in return. Don't put, I'd say this needs to turn into this. Don't do that, okay? Because your job is to put the effort in, okay? But the universe, 
at some point will recognize your effort. It's not up to you to say, I've put this effort in, so I need recognition now. As soon as you do that, okay, you, you start to build up expectation, okay, and you lose the love for the thing that you're doing. So if there is something you are passionate about, okay, and you do enjoy doing, absolutely do it and do it to the best of your abilities, okay? But what comes from it, it's not up to you. Such a great advice. And it sounds so simple, but it's really hard to do. <laughs> Isn't it? <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Even like right now, research is a wonderful thing you're doing. And like, you know, you're gonna you're gonna make this podcast, you're gonna put this onto YouTube, and that it's gonna feel wonderful. Like even I just speaking to you, I well. I just realized we've been speaking for nearly an hour. Wow. <laughs> and so it's wonderful to do this, but the mind is always going to get in there. And like when you post it and everything is going to feel wonderful, but then if, if it gets a few views in the first day and you're like, yes. And then on the second day, you're like, oh no, why hasn't it got more views kind of thing? That's every, it's the thing. And even with the, you know, the, what were you talking about? The Amrutha 30 days thing. Okay. When I do that, I do it because I love it, okay, and it's, I don't do multiple takes or anything, it's just one take, this is me, okay, <laughs> take it how it is, but it's very tempting to see, oh no, it's their comments on their views on their things like that, and that's how the mind works, but just because the mind works like that, that doesn't, don't, it's not about giving in to how the mind works, okay, so it's accepting that the ego and the mind is going to want recognition, okay, but not to focus on that too much okay? and so yeah it, you, you're doing a wonderful thing and, <laughs> and I'm glad to be part of it okay? oh thank you yes I have to make sure that I publish my podcast but not look at any stats for two weeks <laughs> <laughs> that's my task <laughs> the thing is this is one thing I realized because when you do stuff, it's very, the mind looks for quantity, okay, okay, and quantitative measures, okay, so views, stats, things like that. But the qualitative experience is the most important thing. If the podcast of this thing gets a million views, let's say, okay, okay, but if not one of those million views any of the people listened all the way to right to the end okay and really got anything is that worth it or is it better to get 150 views and if 50 of those people really listened to right to the end okay and 20 of those people decided to do something different in their day because of what you what we've talked about is that worth it better so it's just Again, different mm. ways of measuring. I think the mind uses quantity and the heart and the intuition uses qualitative measures. So true, so true. Thank you so much <laughs> for great advice. Um, yes, it's about impact rather than just looking at numbers, data, which mm -hmm. I which I do in my day job, actually just looking at numbers. <laughs> <I know>. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I have to, um, well, yeah. It's like, a balance, I think. Yeah. Yes, yes, definitely. Thank you. So I got one final question for you, actually one, uh, 
two more questions but uh, <laughs> I'm greedy um, so, <laughs> so Alvin what advice would you give to those who are trying to follow their passion but feeling challenged to do so first of all if you're lucky enough to know what your passion is you are so 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 lucky you can pat yourself on the back be grateful okay just the fact that if there's something okay just about the thought of doing it brings a smile to your face okay you're better off than so much of the world's population because most of the people don't know what their passion is okay and so that's the first thing straight away so if you are having hurdles don't worry, be grateful for those hurdles because at least they're on a, the hurdles on a path that you want to be on. Okay. And so the, the passion and finding a passion is the most important thing. But just because it is a passion, don't always, this is the thing that I think sometimes people do, they try to monetize their passion straight away. Okay. And that's where I think it's not the best thing to do because soon as you try to monetize your passion you 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 don't give it enough time to really hone and and sharpen your skill and you know whether it's if you're a healer or a musician or whatever it is that you're doing you're a painter or artist novelist coach it makes no difference what your thing is that you're doing if you do it for long enough okay you're gonna get better and better at it and if you're getting better and better at something that you're passionate about, people are going to want to come and give you their time and their money and their attention. So that's the thing I can try to say is if you do have a passion, be grateful, but don't try to monetize it straight away. Yeah, fine. Do another job if you need to. Okay. And allow this passion to really, you know, blossom. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Such a great advice. And I wish you were there to tell me that when I was starting <laughs> out. <laughs> thank you. Well, thank you so much, Arvin, for having this conversation Pleasure. with me today and sharing your journey with me and the listeners. Um, if people want to get in touch with you, where can people find you? Uh, I think the best place is... Uh... The, the Instagram's a really good contact, okay? We can, uh, you can go to the Facebook. That's quite a decent way to contact as well. Or personally, for me, I love it. I would absolutely love it, okay? When people just walk into the restaurant, okay? Just give us a call, okay? Do you know what? We'll do something. We'll do something today, okay? Anyone who's listening to this podcast okay, and anyone who's listened to the end of this podcast and if they've never attended the restaurant for a meal, okay, what they can do is they can call up the restaurant, okay, say that they would like to come in, okay, for a complimentary meal and we would do a complimentary meal for them genuinely, okay. They, we do bring your own booze, they can bring a nice bottle of wine, leave their wallets at home, okay, and it'll be a nice chance to connect, okay. So this is something that I'd love to offer to your listeners, okay. Oh, well, thank you. That is so generous of you. Pleasure, absolute pleasure. Oh, thank you so much, Arvin, and thank you so much for your time and, yeah, sharing all your wisdom with us today. Thank you. Thank you pleasure. Okay. I hope you enjoyed listening to my conversation with Arvin. 
You can find Arvin and watch his 30 days of Amrutha ways on his Instagram at Amrutha UK. Amrutha is spelled A-M-R-U-T-H-A. And if you live in London or if you're planning to come to visit London, I highly encourage you to visit Amrutha Lounge. You will live with a full belly and a warm glow. I hope you have a wonderful day and I'll see you in the next episode.